So today I want to speak to you on a subject that through the years of almost 60 years of preaching, in fact it is 60 years of preaching now, I uh, probably some way or another preach on this subject at least once every 10 to 15 years because it's very important that we remind ourselves that as long as we are alive, we will have to make choices every day. You never get so old you don't have to make a choice. You can be 150 years old and a doctor tells you what to do and what kind of medicine to take and when to take it, and you choose whether you take it or you don't take it. That's a choice. Now, the truth is, if you make right choices, there's phenomenal benefits. If you make wrong choices, there's catastrophic disaster. No exceptions. No exceptions. It amazes me how people that are going down, 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 and they know it and everybody else knows it, keeps making the same choices that they've made for years. Their priorities have not changed. Their self is number one, and all others have to get underneath it. And they pick for themselves, regardless of who it hurts, they pick for themselves to what they think is be successful and be a winner, and they have literally signed their death warrant or an oath to become a failure. There's so many places that you can go in the Bible and find Scripture after Scripture after Scriptural example, some just direct quotes, and then others that are just examples of all of those decisions that were made through the history and what was the result of that decision. Some chose to follow Jesus 2,000 years ago, and some did not. What was the consequences of the decision? Those that were alive 2,000 years ago and chose Jesus Christ to be the Lord of their life and their Savior are now in heaven rejoicing with the saints. Those that rejected them because they were too good-looking, too wealthy, too healthy, had such a vibrant personality, such golden opportunities, but they rejected Jesus are in hell today. Not some of them, all of them. And yet we come and go through our motions Sunday after Sunday, week after week, and just keep on the same terrible decision-making process. Isn't that a shame? You don't have to be a college graduate to understand that. You know, the, to, to serve the Lord from the time you're a child is a blessing. Just, you can't even weigh it on the scale. There are many of us here today because... The, the choice is that we didn't make the choice whether we'd go to church on Sunday. God gave us a mother and daddy and made that choice. Am I on right track right here now for all of us old folks like Bill?
But because mother and daddy said, no, you won't decide when you go to church and where you go to church, you get in the car and you had a holy fit and your daddy didn't go to the psychologist, your mother didn't go to the psychiatrist, they just lived with you. And now you're reaping the rewards and they are reaping the rewards. Let me read you the scripture, one of my favorites. Joshua, in those days of Israel, major character throughout the Bible, but a young man that we can check him out when he's young and then he goes on to his maturity and ultimately to his death. And many things happened in his life and many opportunities he had to speak to others. But none are more profound than the 24th chapter of Joshua when God had given the land to Israel, Joshua makes a statement that is recorded in the Holy Scriptures that we must never forget. Let me read it to you. 14th verse, Joshua chapter 24. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. Listen, put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and you serve the Lord. Now listen, it gets better, and it gets more specific. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the god of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Are you going to just make your hero the nation in which you live? Are you going to make your decisions on other folks that you had great admiration for and one day you said, I'd like to grow up and be like them? But the reason I choose the text this morning is that it's very clear after he said to them, whose land are you going to dwell in? Before he got an answer for them, here's what he said. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Right choice. Read the rest of the book. Talk to somebody that's made that choice in their life and ask them if it was a good choice. I challenge you to find one person on planet Earth that said, one day I made up my mind that devil was not going to control my life anymore. And I was not going to be influenced by my culture and my friends or what I thought was my friends. But one day I made a decision. And when I made that decision, I said, as for me... I'm going to serve the Lord. And I do not really care what happens in whether anyone follows me or not, but I am going to serve the Lord. Now, the time has come to make a decision. I do not know how long we have on this earth. I do not know when I'm going to die, nor do I know when the Lord's going to come back again. 
Only thing I know is this is the day the Lord's made. The most important thing in my life today is not a ball game. The most important thing in my life today is not what Dow Jones will open at in the morning. What matters in my life, and I hope what matters in your life is, that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is alive. That Jesus is coming again. And until that time comes, as for me, I want to serve him. And my wish for you is that you would want to serve him. Because what he's done for others, he'll do for you. But you have to make a decision. You can procrastinate, and by the way, that's the biggest tool the devil uses. He can never have an argument for you to follow him. All he can do is get you to wait to make the right choice until death comes and eternity is there, separated from God. I want to say to you this morning as boldly as I know how and as clearly as I know how and as lovingly as I know how, there is no excuse for any person here to not make Jesus the Lord of your life. You have no reason. You have no reason. You have zero to gain and everything to lose simply because you can't make a decision. Or, and by the way, if you choose not to follow Jesus, you've already chosen who you're going to follow. You're just going to stay the course. The roadblock's out. The bridge has been washed away. The cracks in the road are phenomenal. And there's no signpost to tell you where you're going. But you're going to go. And a matter of fact, when you're young, you start going faster and faster and faster down the road. Now, eventually, you slow down a little because you realize I've been going, living the fast life for 35 years, and I have no earthly idea where I am. Now, where did I get off? And then it's hard to find your way back. But when you say, but as for me and my house today, we are going to serve the Lord. Now, there's a lot of people let me tell you where you get off track, and this is what throws a lot of people backwards. You're seeking Jesus. You're seeking Jesus. But you know what's holding you back? You don't want to make him Lord of your life. Think about it. I want to follow Jesus because he's going to heaven, and I want to go to heaven. Well, you know how you go to heaven? You follow Jesus. Oh, that's what I was afraid of. See, Jesus doesn't go where I go. Jesus doesn't talk like I talk. Jesus doesn't think like I think. I don't want him to be Lord. All I want is the sweet by and by. The walls of jasper, the gates of pearl, the streets of gold. That's what I want. Well, it's not the way it works. The people in Joshua's day are just like the people today. It's good to have freedom to make our decisions. And you have that freedom. But let me tell you something. Are you listening? You will live by the consequences of your decision. Don't you ever blame God for the mess you're in. 
God doesn't lead you into messes. He leads you out of messes. He doesn't throw mud on you. He washes you white as snow. And yet, because of our bullheadedness to be like our culture, we have rebelled against all authority, and God is number one. But choose you this day who you're going to serve. If you're going to serve God, start serving him. If you're not, walk away and don't let people think that you're following God and you're leading them because they're following you into the pits of an eternity without God because they think enough of you that they decided you were going to be their hero here on earth. Does it ever amaze you how people will pack the biggest stadiums in the world to hear somebody and pay them millions of dollars that could care nothing about your life other than that you buy and pay the admission fee and we just swallow that up. I got a letter the other day. A man's moved his membership. And he wrote me a personal letter. And he said, the reason I did is because you sent, your church sent me envelopes to give. Well, I checked his giving records. And it was a bad decision. Because we paid more for the envelopes <laughs> than he gave. Just a little humor there. Of fact that's our world that's our world but if you can look like Joshua and say as for me and my house we're gonna serve the Lord listen folks we can choose where we spend our time we can choose every one of us what we do with God's money that he gives to us we can all choose our friends they may choose us to be their friend, but we have our choice as to whether or not that's a good relationship. You can choose whether you go to school or not. And you need to choose, do you need to go to school? That's your choice. But don't choose your way instead of God's way and end up 40, 50 years later and wonder, what happened to my life? You made wrong choices. Simple as that. You don't have to go to church, but you can go to church. Check out what happens 30 years from now if God lets you live that long. You don't have to pray. You do not have to pray. There's nowhere the Bible says you've got to pray. But you know what? If you choose to pray, God will give you the desires of your heart if your heart is fixed upon him. You don't have to know God's word. You can be so stubborn and you can say, I just can't understand the Bible. You know why you can't understand it? Because you never read it. This Bible is so simple, a five-year-old can understand it, and they don't have to be a genius. They understand what it means that Jesus loves them. They understand the Scripture through the interpretation of the Holy Spirit, but yet it's an excuse I don't come to church because there's too many hypocrites there. Well, join the group. <laughs> Is there not a better place for you to be? But when you come to church with all the hypocrites, don't look for the hypocrites, look for Jesus. Joshua admonished them to do something, though. He said, I want you to serve 
in sincerity and in truth. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means if you choose to identify with God, then your sincere desire is to follow God. That's all you're looking for. You're not looking for a way to justify sin. You're looking for a way to follow him. Just as it was shared by Wes earlier at Christmas, we got an opportunity for everybody to get involved in just giving and giving and giving. So many of you gave, over a 1,000 of you, as you remediated 660 houses in our communities, which was worth over $12 million to those families. And many, if not most of them, have never stepped foot inside the door of this church. That's not a condemnation. It's just the fact that we just didn't go out and love those that love us. We love people that didn't even know us. And we hope that it was a blessing to them, and we know that it has been. But you know what? I would be less than honest to tell you, if you're not willing to give up some stuff in your life, you will never follow Jesus. Do you hear me? If you don't give up some relationships you have and some habits you have to follow Jesus, you're never going to follow him. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few there are that find it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many go therein. Just go where the crowds are. There are not many churches overflowing in the world today, trust me. There's plenty of seats in all of them. But what we have to do today is, what about us? Jesus asked Simon an interesting question. And I can just see Jesus as he asked Simon Peter this. He said, lovest thou me more than these? I can see him standing down there on the pier. There's the nets. There's the boat. There's all this stuff. Is this what you love, Peter, more than me? Do you love this stuff more than me? Do you really love a party life more than you love a quiet moment with Jesus? Those are tough questions. I have to answer them. You have to answer them. And every one of us have to decide, what will we do with Jesus? I today believe with all my heart that there is a small number of young people that have a very sincere desire for somebody to tell them the truth. I think this generation and the one before has seen enough suicides and total destruction, self-inflicted wounds on the heroes of their generation to say there must be a better way. There must be somebody I can follow that the longer you serve him, the sweeter he grows and the better it gets. And there's none of those horror stories. Not many. We do not have a youth group that's come along that has broadened their desire to know God. Bible prophecy says, no, it won't work that way. Every generation will come like this to a narrow, narrow end. And the Lord says, it's on your shoulders. How dare you to go out and question God? For God so loved you, he gave his only begotten son 
that if you would believe in him, you would not perish, but you would have everlasting life. How dare you to say, I'll never go to church because of what God did to my mother. God gave birth to your mother who gave birth to you. That's what God did. So to get on that trail and say, but that's the way all my friends are talking. That's what I read in the newspaper, and that's what I see on the news. That's our problem. Because we don't make right choices. Mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, great-grandmas and grandpas, Could I ask you a question? How important is it to you that you be a good example to your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids? Do you really care? Do you really care? I want to think you do. I do. I really think we all do. However, what's the problem? We have come so drunken with the things of this world. We can't make right choices. We cannot pray for our kids. We just yield to their desires. And their desire is the same desire that Adam had and Eve had and I had and my parents had and my grandparents had. And that was not to do good but to do wrong. It's easy to lie. It's natural to get mad. It's normal to throw a fit. But they all destroy and destroy and destroy. Mom and dad, you can't imagine the influence you're having on your children. But you know what? If you want your children to respect you, you need to respect them and love them tenderly but firmly. And that they will know that you do. In verse 15... Joshua says, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, then choose who you are going to serve. Just do whatever, you know, but make a choice. If you do not believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior, and you do not believe it's best for your life to follow Jesus, what he said to those people was, well, then get in the other group. But don't halt between two opinions. Don't walk like this. You walk this away, or you repent, and you walk this away. But you don't straddle the fence. People need to know what are you going to do and how are you going to act. Don't play Christianity. Identify yourself with the one you're going to serve. And unashamedly, like Joshua saying to his peer group, As for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. Inconsistency is a terrible testimony for Christ. Jesus was the same, what, yesterday, today, forever. How you doing? Did you used to? Oh, when I was a youngster, I was at church every time the doors were open. I don't think I ever missed a youth camp for 15 years, whatever. Well, what about today? What about today? We have a lot of gods today to choose from. So I don't think he's being unfair. He said, if Jesus is not Lord, if you're not going to follow God, then choose 
you got a lot of choices. Boy, do we have a lot of choices. They're everywhere. Everywhere. You don't live one day that you don't have an opportunity to make a lot of bad choices. But when you take that position and say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. As for me and my house, and by the way, my house is those that are following you. We will serve the Lord. We'll serve the Lord. It's refreshing to hear a man speak for his house, doesn't it? Kind of like what grandma and grandpa used to do. They kind of, you knew where they stood. You may not agree with them, but you sure knew where they stood. And I don't remember ever winning one argument. And I had some good reasons that they were wrong. But they didn't seem to catch because they knew that I wasn't near as smart as I thought I was. And I had just enough sense to survive those teenage years and knowing maybe they do know more than I do. Can't imagine my parents knowing more than I do. They're as gifted as I am and all the people I've known and played marbles with, shot pool with, and drank with, and cussed with, and ran around with. I, I said, no, I'm going to follow the Lord. That's what you got to say. I'm going to follow the Lord. Well, these people had it easy in a way. And, and I think maybe ours is not quite as easy as theirs, but the people Joshua was talking with had had a chance to see what the God of Israel was like, the God they were asked to serve. They could see what he was like. And as you read the text here, you will see that he referred them back. If, if it seems right or if it seems wrong, you've had your opportunity. Has it been good for Israel to follow God or should we have gone after the other God like all the other nations did? And the answer was there. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is the 17th verse. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the bondage of Egypt from the house of bondage and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. He is reflecting back as I look back in my lifetime and I can see the hand of God through World War II, Korea, Gulf War, on and on and on, and I saw God pick up America and pick up America and pick up America and protect America and fog at the right place and winds blowing in the right direction. And all those, those of you that study the history of America and its military know that many times God rescued this nation with supernatural things to save America. And now America wants to take one nation under God out of its flags, and we expect to survive. You're not going to do it in the voting booth. You're going to do it in the prayer room. When we have more people praying than we have voting, America will have revival. When we come to that day, when a people and a young generation will come up, and say, as for me, and I'm only 12. As for me, I'm only 10. As for me, I'm only 17. As for me, I just graduated from college. 
but I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to walk with God. I am going to follow him, and wherever he leads, I'll go. That's what we're trying to share with you today. God had delivered these people from bondage. And by the way, I don't know what your sin is. I do not know what your bondage is. But let me tell you something. Jesus will free you today. He'll break the chains. He'll set you free. But you've got to draw a line in the sand and say, this is the day. This is my moment. I've got to close. Got another question, though. If God doesn't pay for your sins, and if God doesn't pay for my sins, who's going to pay for them? Who, who are you going to choose? What are you betting on? Do you think God is going to be impressed with your autobiography? Is there anybody here that says, I've lived a good enough life to go to heaven. If God didn't, didn't take me to heaven, he would be a loser. Because I could make heaven so much brighter. Just look at me. Just look what I've done for my world and my generation. Just look at me. And so the question if God does not pay for your sins, who will? Now, if you've got another God, and many do, many of you do, can your God forgive sin? Can your God, whoever it is and whatever it is, forgive sin? Is there a drug that you can take that will forgive your sin? Is there a, a vocation you can go into, and if you succeed in that vocation, your sins will be forgiven, and your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Can you name one? Can you? The Lord says, I will deliver you out of bondage. I will deliver you out of the bondage of sin. And your job is, you going to let him? No. Preacher, I'm not. In fact, it angers me to hear somebody talk like you're talking this morning. And if I'd have known you were going to say what you said today, I wouldn't even come today. Because I am really rocking and rolling and moving and shaking and having the greatest time of my life. You think about it. If you can't be honest with yourself, who can you trust? I don't know anybody but one. And his name is Jesus. Here's what he said. Our God, my God, has supplied all of my needs according to his riches. He, he's saying, every need I have had, my God has supplied my need. Have you been ill recently? Do you believe that God can heal? I was in the hospital last week. I know God can heal. I heard a doctor say, Friday, come back to me the first of the year. I said, when? He said, January. I said, March. <laughs> That's close enough for me to get back. 
But do you have a God that heals? Do you have a God that comforts? Do you have a God that's really supplying your need? Has the lottery really been good to you? Has throwing your money away on entertainment really been good for you? Have you been deceived by all these television commercials that the bottom of it says, if you'll just open it up and read it, it says what you have just heard advertised is not true. That is exactly what it says. But you've already made the phone call and put it on your card after you called the credit card company to see if you had not maxed it out. And then we expect, but one day I'm going to have a wonderful time and God is just going to bless me and we're going to just go to the world and we're going to see the sun rises and the sunsets and all that kind of thing. None of us know what another day is going to bring. Has anybody here lost a loved one recently? Did your God meet your need if it wasn't the God that I'm preaching about today? The comfort doesn't come from the God to this world. You can't have a nice enough funeral. You cannot have enough friends. You cannot have enough money when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But when that time comes, glory be to God. He and he alone sends what is called the comforter to guide us into all truth. Maybe you had a material need during the flood. You have it right now. My God will supply your need. How? I don't know. I don't know what your need is. First of all, you don't either, but he does. And he's going to supply that need. Maybe you have a broken home today. Maybe your home, your marriage is broken. Your family is disintegrated. Listen, God can put it together. He can put it together. Yeah, but he hadn't yet. His ways are not our ways, and his clock is not our clock. But he tests us, and God makes it very clear that he's done his part, and now we've got to do ours. And the time is going to come, if it hadn't already, when you are going to experience either defeat or God's glorious presence in your life. And that time will come sooner than you think. And when you come to that moment, when you just stop and say, Lord, I want to walk with you. That's what I want for our church. We've walked with God for 52 years, almost 52 years. I want God's will for the church. This is his bride. Whatever we need in the future with our buildings in shambles, some of them. I just don't know how we're going to do this and do this with the times like they are. Forget the times. My God will supply all of our needs. If he doesn't provide it, we'll get along without it. But you know what we can't get along without? Him. He must have preeminence. All glory must come to him alone. God makes it real clear 
Except you repent, you're going to perish. But let me get to the good news. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's to you. But hear me. Before you jump on that bandwagon and say, oh, it's free, I'll take it. I'll take it. Give me a coupon. If you're not willing to follow Jesus, don't you make a move expecting salvation to come to you. Salvation is not about you going to heaven. It's about you and me following him wherever he leads. No man that's not willing to reject father and mother and houses and lands for my sake and the gospel's sake is worthy of the kingdom of God. Don't you add God to your asset chart like every other asset. I got this and this and this and this and this. I got a car. I got a house. I got a few dollars in the bank. I got this. And bless God, I got salvation. Now let's just go live like the devil because we know We'll be in the sweet by and by. You will be in the by and by one day. And whether it's sweet or not, it's whether or not the blood of Jesus has cleansed you from your sin. This world is not our home. We're just a passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Now, who will come and go with me? Because I'm bound for the promised land. The Bible makes it real clear. You don't follow Jesus unless you're willing to follow him unto death. That's simple. So count me out. That's fine. Maybe you'll find some comfort that you're in the majority, in the overwhelming majority. But I hope you would be discomfortable in knowing that the overwhelming majority will never see Jesus. Never, 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 never. Because some way we think, if I just get my little spiritual act together... I got it made. Tip him a little money on Sunday. Read a Bible verse every once in a while. Pray now you lay me down to sleep before I go to bed and a little before I eat the turkey and then go live like the devil. But one day I'll see Jesus. Yeah, but he'll be your judge, not your Savior, like he wants to be. Now, if you want the best, only God can give it. So my last question to you is, do you have the real thing? Do you have the real thing? The story was told a long time ago by evangelist Freddie Gage. Some of those illustrations stick in your mind for a long time. He said it was based on a true story where there was a fire in the, in the town of an old house and a mom with her children. And the fire broke out and the firemen showed up and those brave men began to go into that house and trying to rescue, and mother was outside. And uh, as, as the fireman would bring the, the, the children out, the mother looked around and said, my baby is still inside. And the fireman went in and went into the flames. He went back to the bedroom. She told him where it was, and he picked up the body and came running out, and the cameras were flashing, and everybody was cheering and so forth, and he handed it to the mother in a matter of moments, she began to scream. As loud as she could scream, 
And she said, you didn't bring me my baby. You brought me my baby's doll. He thought it was real, but it wasn't. He sincerely thought it was real. Listen to me, folks. Some of you think you can live good enough to go to heaven. You don't have the real thing. Some of you think you can live any way you want to, but once saved, always saved. Bless God, I was baptized when I was seven years old by immersion by the greatest preacher that ever lived. I'm sorry, that's not the real thing. If you want to escape the fire, you come to the real thing. The real thing is Jesus.